going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold and the takes are hot. Episode 59 of the Cold Seat Podcast coming at you guys tonight on Halloween. We wanted to wait till after the trade deadline was done. That way we could get all of the uh, all the updated deals and everything in. So a little bit later of an episode being released today. Usually record Monday evenings, afternoons, post it Tuesday morning, but post it Tuesday night, record it Tuesday afternoon. On Halloween, since again, I want to get some of the NFL trade, de- trade deadline deals in. Um, feels like we've been getting more active and active each year, um, which is good. I'll give one of my hot takes about about the deadline, but I'll kick it off with a little Halloween hot take. I'll let Brett get his Halloween hot take after, but Reese's pe- or Reese's peanut butter cups. I mean, it's by far the best Halloween candy, and it's not close. Like the separation between one and two, might as well be the gap between two and ten to me. You know, like, that's just that's just how I feel. I'm a big peanut butter fan, though. Those that know me know that. Big, big Reese's guy. So that's got to be the, that's easily my favorite candy. Like if we were doing like a bustin' with the boys, tear talk type of vibe, like Reese's would be like a variation of the Reese's peanut butter cup would be one through three. There's no question. So, but I get that out there, that that's the best candy by far. Um, And I'll let Brett give his take on that. And then I'll let him give his, your your Halloween hot take is a little hotter than mine, I think, to the general consensus. Right, no, I mean, I think Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are definitely elite. Reese's Pieces are solid as well. I feel like they're a little slept on because not as many people have those. They just have the Peanut Butter Cups. But but they're solid as well. Um, I mean, I pretty much like all candy. There's a couple that I don't like, but for the most part, all pretty good. Um, My take is that candy corn is elite. I devour some candy corn and... I just think it's really solid. Um, I don't. Some people don't like it, but I just feel like the the texture may be a little different than like your typical candy. Um, you know, it's a little bit chalkier. It's not. It doesn't have any like really gooey factor to it. Um, but I really like it. Um, kind of unique. It's better than the candy pumpkins. Candy pumpkins are a little too dense. I feel like you need to break them up a little more, which you get with the candy corn. Um, so yeah, candy corn is, is really, really good. So I, most people hate it, which I think is a little unreasonable. I think it's fine. I'm not like, oh man, candy corn. Let me get some of that. But if someone's like, Hey, candy corn, or if it's it's, it's like, you know, like a Halloween, you know, I'll call it a Halloween kickback or a gathering. And you know, there's a little candy corn, like a little, I'll maybe snag a couple pieces throughout the evening. You know, I'm feeling peckish. I will say the pumpkins are elite. That is something I feel like most people like the other people that hate candy corn that love the pumpkins, which like you're just you just hate candy corn because it's popular to hate candy corn. Like you're just you're just a hater to be a hater at that point because they're almost the same thing. I do think the pumpkins are a little better. They get a little bit of a more of a sweeter, fuller taste to them, if that makes sense. I feel like with candy corn, sometimes I'm just like I bite it. And it's like, yeah, it's good. It just but it feels like it's just like. It's like if you crank the taste down like 50%, you know, it feels like it should, there should be more. It should be a bolder flavor, but it's not, which is okay. I think that's what you get with the pumpkins, but I think candy corn gates gets unnecessary hate. Again, I feel like it's one of those things that I don't know when it became popular to hate, but people just jumped on the bandwagon. So I, I applaud your, your boldness and your, your love for candy corn in which the way you, you know, display that and, and stand on it. Um, stand on business for the candy corn, so to speak. So I gotta respect that. But okay, um, I'll say the pumpkins are better. But I'm I'm I'll lean closer to your take than I will that I hate it. You know, I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's solid. But yeah, so that wraps up our our hot Halloween hot takes. I don't know if you have a non-Halloween hot take. I've got one today. I'll let you get yours first if you have one. I wouldn't say that it's a hot take, but just a notable fact as we kind of get to the next stage Ooh, of the nfl fact. schedule is that we are closer to the 2024 draft than we are the 2023 draft we're over halfway um 177 days away from april 25th um so that's exciting and yeah i'm currently, honestly, the, I'm currently the lebron can't believe this is my life smiling through it all man i'm just basking in it i'm loving it Oh, yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, probably honestly won't do too much with it um, until the season ends, at least for the podcast. We, 
won't really get into, you know, mock draft Mondays and position rankings, stuff like that until at least the playoffs, probably after the Super Bowl, the week after or something like that. We'll get going. But uh, but looking forward to that as well. And, uh, and yeah, looking forward to it. I know we're going to talk about the NFL a good bit today. Um, but yeah, I'll let you get to yours. We'll do this quickly since we got a lot to talk about with the NFL. But I think uh, NFL comp picks ruin the trade deadline slash are leveraged wrong by NFL GMs. For example, the Ravens, you know, it's because Brett, Brett and I talked about it today, the Ravens basically made an offer for Josh Jacobs, and the Raiders wanted it too, a second-round pick, and the, and the Ravens wouldn't do it. Well, he's a rental for the Ravens, number one. So I, I can understand the apprehensiveness. And I think that a lot of times, like, we see teams that don't want to trade players. who are like, oh, like, we don't want to blow it up. Like, we, you know, comp picks, blah, blah, blah. Well, the comp pick thing is dumb because, first of all, if I can receive a fourth-round pick for a player now versus maybe a sixth or a seventh-round pick in, in a year from now, maybe, because there's a comp pick formula, that if you outspend dollar value-wise to what you lost, to, so basically, if I have five players leave and they and they all, and they they all sign for – with other teams for a grand total value of $50 million. But I bring in free agents greater than that, roughly greater. This is very general, but like at $51 million, I don't get a comp pick anymore. There's a formula for it. It's something like that. So, you know, like, yeah, you can get the comp pick, but first of all, like take away the fact, like it's a four versus a six or a seven. And, and on a basic, like, value of anything it it stems from the value of a dollar but like the value of anything concept i'd rather have it now than later you don't get a comp pick for the another to the next year i get draft capital now so that's why the comp pick thing is stupid but for the ravens (coughs) pardon me a little bit of a cough going i don't know why maybe swallowed wrong one second i was about to die I'm not dying. We're all good. But like for the Ravens, for example, they they don't want to move the two. Fine. But what if you know you're getting a four back in another year for Josh Jacobs and you don't resign him, right? So I think teams' unwillingness to trade at the deadline is blasphemous. And I think that it really when you look at other leagues, the NFL <clears throat> Picks are the most valuable in the NFL than any other league. You can't trade picks in baseball. And NBA picks, like, dude, the 10th overall pick in the NBA draft is worth a pennies on the dollar to what the 10th overall pick in the NFL draft means. So, I don't know. I just feel like teams' reluctance to trade for draft capital for players are not going to bring back is just stupid because they want the comp pick or whatever. I think it's dumb. But that's just my take. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll get into it more, uh, like I said, so I'm not going to say too much on it now, but it is interesting. Every team attacks the draft and trades and free agency differently, and some teams are, you know, have a different perspective on it and approach than other teams. So that's basically what it comes down to. Um, but we'll get to that, like I said, in a little bit. But first, uh, before then, we'll have some MLB and golf. And to kick it off, with the MLB, um, we are in the World Series. We have Game Four tonight. Um, while this comes out, Game Four will be going on. But recapping the Championship Series. So in the ALCS, the Rangers beat the Astros in seven games. Um, the Astros were up three-two. The Rangers won both in Houston and won the series four-to-three. And then for the NLCS, the Diamondbacks at Phillies, same story. The Phillies were up three-two, went home, and the Diamondbacks won both in Philadelphia. So couple good series there, obviously, both going seven games. Uh, but I don't think we expected to see these two teams in the final uh, series of the year in the World Series. Um, it's been a pretty good series between the two so far, but um, ratings-wise, it's been horrendous. So uh, we'll see if that turns around, if it you know if it gets to a game six or seven. Um, but yeah, ratings-wise, it's been the least viewed World Series of all time. It doesn't shock me. I mean, I talked about it earlier. I, I Take away the fact that like teams are good teams are losing. The MLB should be pissed because they're losing a whole lot of money in ratings. So that's you know more about like Fox or well, I think doesn't don't Fox and another do, or does Fox always have the World Series or do they switch off another network for the World Series? 
I believe they always have. I think it. they always have it. Yeah. Well, so Fox is probably pissed too, but right. Um, I think for the sport, the parody is a good thing. Although I think parody's kind of always been in baseball. Whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, talk about. I don't think we've ever. We've. I don't think we've ever seen two home teams go home up three two and then lose in in both championship series. So it's pretty crazy. Um. I mean, the Rangers have been great on the road. They haven't lost a road game this playoffs, which is pretty insane to think about. Um, only one, well, I guess, they've only played, what, four, six home games, and they've only won two of them. Well, that's pretty, yeah. that's kind of wild, too. Um, but I mean, it's been, an, it's been an entertaining World Series. I mean, game one was awesome. Game two was kind of a, a blowout. And then game three... The Rangers pretty much dominated the game, but it was still a it was still a good game to watch if you enjoy a pitcher's duel, which is kind of what it was. I mean, it was a bullpen duel kind of between the two teams, but it was it was a great it was a great game. Um, yeah, I think I think if the Diamondbacks, win, I think they're going to be the worst regular season record in the modern era of baseball like, since we went to 162 games. I think they'd be the worst record team to win the World Series. Am I wrong in saying that? I think they would be. Yeah, I feel like at uh, 84 wins, I feel like yeah, 84 that, would, that would be the worst. Gotta be. It's got to yeah. be, which, I mean, it's impressive. I mean, Toy Lovello, shout out to him. He's been awesome for them. So, um, I mean, like you said, game one, it was incredible. Six to five. Rangers took it in 11. Corey Seager, two run bomb in the bottom of the ninth to put the tie the game at five. And then Adolis Garcia, an absolute tear. It was his fifth straight game with a homer. He walks it off in the 11th. Game two, the Diamondbacks dominate nine to one. From the, I mean, they were up from the jump and they didn't look back. Rangers offense kind of slumped a little bit game two and they went on the road. Uh, Rangers still undefeated on the road. They won game game three, three to one. Um, Max Scherzer exited the game. I think the fourth inning when he took a, he took a kind of a, a ball back at him off the back bounce. The bounce went their way and they got the out, but Max left right. the game. He should be good to, and he got back spasms with the call, but he should be good to pitch a game, a game seven if they need him. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was, I guess a game three was great. Really good pitching duel. Um, Chapman almost blew it. What's new? But Leclerc came in in the ninth, went one, two, three. A couple of questionable, questionable strike call and a questionable ball call um, in that ninth inning. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely an entertaining game. I'm looking forward to the game tonight. I believe we've got um, Andrew Heaney and Manaply. Yeah, Manaply. So they're going with bullpen game basically. Um, yeah. Manaply's relieved. So. You know, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, I assume Heaney doesn't pitch that long either. He's a home run machine. So we'll see. But like I said, it's been an awesome World Series, despite the fact that ratings are down and these two teams, you know, weren't the best teams in baseball all year. It's still been an entertaining series. So hopefully, um, hopefully that continues. And hopefully the Rangers can win it in Arlington in game six because I've got a buddy of mine who dropped big money on tickets in game six. So I'm hoping he gets to go see him. But. I'm sure I'd rather just have a World Series than watch them go to Game Six, but you, you know what I'm saying. Right, for sure. Um, definitely three interesting games that have all been pretty different. First one was a pretty good bit of offense. Second one was, like you said, one-sided. And then last night, um, it was honestly pretty close down the stretch. The Diamondbacks just couldn't quite get it going. Um, but nonetheless, have still been effective running the bases, stuff like that. They just haven't really been able to string hits together. Um, at least last night. So play tonight, play tomorrow night. And if the Diamondbacks win either of those, then they'll be going back to Arlington for game six. Um, I mean, tonight should be interesting. Obviously it's kind of the last game before the roster or the pitching staff resets. So should be interesting to see kind of whose bullpen. Well, first of all, what the different approaches are with the pitchers, um, kind of what teams are looking for out of their guys starting plus who they want to throw how the bullpen, stuff like that. So, also, this game tonight's going Garcia. Well, I was going to say, Dolce Garcia is also out of the lineup side for the Ranger. I think he's right. available, but he's out of the lineup to start the game. So, I, I bet he pinch hits if they need him. But yeah, probably. I, I don't know. Because he said he was good, but he's not in the lineup. So, we'll see. Right, it's kind of something to watch, too. Right. I mean, they may just may just want to be sitting him play play cautious. Um, other than oblique i never really saw actually what they called it but um nonetheless a big blow for them but um game six if it does happen that will be friday night 
at seven o'clock central as every game is seven o'clock um and then nba free agency or mlb free agency starts soon after um the season concludes so should be interesting to see what happens there but uh yeah a lot of moves to be made by you know it was a pretty good free agency class this year especially pitchers so um, something to keep an eye on once this series concludes but moving on to golf so we didn't actually have a tournament last weekend. Um, so starting this Thursday, we have the Worldwide Technology Championship at El Cardinal at Diamante in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Event has a purse of $8.2 million. Russell Henley won it last year, so that's pretty much all we got for this one. Um, moving on to football. I uh, found the latest injury report, which I try to look for every week just to have the most up-to-date official diagnosis. So... I'm going to try to go through this quick. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, these are the official diagnosis. It uh, doesn't really have much of a timetable for some guys. It does more so than others. But nonetheless, a big few a few big injuries that happened this past week, including Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins tore his right Achilles, which is his plant foot. Season-ending surgery should be ready for week one of 2024. Um, but we'll see if he has his full power and strength back. Matthew Stafford, uh, right UCL thumb sprain. Probably need a uh, ligament repair in that one. Uh, better diagnosis than I expected. Probably misses week nine because they have a bye week 10. So look for him to return week 11. Puka Nakua, uh, the Rams receiver. His knee swelling up. Um, maybe a mild sprain, but might miss a game. Probably not. We'll see. Um, Drake London, a groin strain. He could miss a week. Um, but it might be risky if he does play. Tyrod Taylor got a rib injury. Um, you don't know if that affects his lung or what else. Um, he's week to week, but he could be out, you know, two to four weeks. Um, Daniel Jones, he has two neck injuries. He could return in week nine, but um, a couple of vertebrae are just not really at the point they want him to be at. Deshaun Watson, um, a lower scapula strain so on his throwing shoulder which obviously isn't great um possibility for re-injury he's probably out another week maybe two at the least kenny pickett a rib bruise he's 50 50 to play thursday night um he said he's gonna play but we'll see um it sure sounds like he's going to though um kyler murray he's gonna return soon probably in a week so it should be clayton tune this week as josh dobbs is no longer there which we'll get to in a second um Derrick Henry, he had a new ankle injury, but not that concerning. Darren Waller, a new hamstring strain, uh, different than the one he had in the preseason, probably misses a couple weeks. Another tight end in TJ Hawkinson from the Vikings, a midfoot sprain. Um, he should be fine to play um, with a slight dip in his performance. Christian Watson, receiver for the Packers, uh, right knee sprain, got lucky with the diagnosis, um, but probably won't be full form for a few weeks. DeAndre Hopkins, a minor toe injury, but balled out week eight. I mean, should be full go for week nine. Deontay Johnson, uh, hamstring is a little iffy, but he should be able to play Thursday night. Kenneth Walker, a calf strain. He played week eight. Um, He could, you know, bother it again, but he'll still probably play week nine with uh, limited carries. Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor, Brock Purdy, um, more more concerns with them, especially Brock Purdy with his uh, concussion deal, um, as it seemed like he still wasn't full um, fully recovered this week, and he may have sustained another one. Jalen Hurts, left knee sprain. Austin Eckler, minor, minor ankle sprain, um, but he should be fine. Saquon is good to go. Uh, David Montgomery, rib cartilage still should be good in a couple weeks as they have their bye week next week, but Jameer Gibbs has been balling out in his absence. A um, couple more here. Debo Samuel, the hairline fracture to his shoulder, um, should return after their week 10 bye. Josh Allen, right shoulder re-injury. Um, probably won't be healthy, fully healthy till week 13. Justin Fields, right throwing thumb dislocation. Um, probably back in a week. Ryan Tannehill, he uh, repeated the same high ankle sprain as last year. Um, don't really know what happens with him, especially with how well Ellis played this past week. Justin Jefferson, a grade two hamstring strain, 
with Cousins being out, they're probably not as likely to rush him back. Um, Devon Achan, James Conner should be back soon, and that's pretty much it. So long list of injuries. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick did uh, kind of a non-contact hamstring pull or strain this past week. Um, He's going to miss this week's game as it's a short week, but he should be back. And Grady Jarrett with the torn ACL is a big blow for them, but they got some depth at the trade deadline to help um, kind of stabilize that defensive line. So that's it for injuries. Um, But moving on to trades, I'll get the first bullet and then you can get the rest. So we had a a good bit of trades, like eight trades over the past 24 hours leading up to the deadline, which was three o'clock central on Halloween today. Uh, But prior to the flurry of trades, we did have Cam Akers to the Vikings, Van Jefferson to the Falcons, Chase Claypool to the Dolphins, J.C. Jackson returning to New England, Randy Gregory to San Fran, McCole Hardman to the Chiefs, and Kevin Byard to the Eagles, which was a big one. These all happened before October 23rd. So kind of a couple phases. Um, you have the pre-deadline moves and the deadline moves. So um, I'll let you get in all the deadline moves. But, yeah, a lot, a lot went down the last day or two. Yeah, um, definitely more active than it's been in the past. Um, still not where I would have liked it to be in relation to the NBA and the MLB. That said, you know, the main point that I think that that I've seen made that I think is is reasonable is that it's really hard to transition midseason in the NFL, which is fair. Um, there's a lot more that goes into it than just playing. You know, a guy going out and pitching and a guy going out and just hitting balls um, kind of from the plate and fielding balls in baseball or in basketball. You see how much one guy can impact a team because there's only five on the on the court for one team at a time. Right. So, you know, just for the NFL, it's a little harder. It's a little different. Um, you know, that said, I, I still think. OK, for example, of this of this list on, that we have of, of guys who got moved, it's two Pro Bowl caliber guys, maybe one, depending on how you feel about Chase Young. Um, so just, I guess, today. So obviously Kevin Byard is a perennial Pro Bowl or All-Pro. But other than other than him and Leonard Williams, there's really no, you know, like, hey, that guy's really good. Like Chase Young had the awesome rookie year, and then I don't know what happened after that. But like, you get the point, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's – um, it's a lot of lesser known names, which is fine, but it just, again, I wish we could have seen a little bit more action on big names like, like a Josh Jacobs or like a, a Devonte Adams who was in hell last night because Jimmy G couldn't complete a pass more than 20 yards downfield. So, um, you know, there's that, but just, just in general, I think a lot of guys that didn't get moved that we thought might didn't. So that's okay. Um, I'll go down the list here. Giants Giants sent uh, – let start that over. The Giants sent all-pro, former all-pro, Pro Bowl defensive tackle Leonard Williams to the Seahawks for a 2024 fourth – or sorry, 2024 second and fifth. Um, that's a good move for the Seahawks. They bolstered that defensive line that needed some help still, especially up front in the interior. Um, he's a rental. Most of these guys that get traded are rentals or they have one year left. So curious to see – Kind of what to do with him going forward, but this is a, I thought it was a great move for both teams. I think the Giants get a good, a quality second round pick and a fifth round pick, and the Seahawks, the Seahawks get an, an immediate impact impact guy who can start for them, you know, this week basically. Um, Eagles send Contavious Street and a conditional 2025 seventh to the Falcons for a 2024 sixth. Um, yeah, it's whatever. Uh, Commanders send defensive end Montez Sweat for the Bears for a 2024 second, and they also sent Chase Young to the 49ers for a comp third. Here's my take on these two. I think the process in which the, the commanders dealt these guys is pretty insane. Um, sweat fetching a two is pretty wild to me, considering the fact that, yeah, he's a rental and I get the Bears are going to pay him, but he's not Chase Young. He's not as good as Chase Young. He's a he's a good player and he flashes, but he's not a double digit sack type of guy every year. Right. He's not a perennial Pro Bowl defensive end edge rusher. So I don't love that move for the Bears, shockingly enough. I don't love the move for the Bears. They traded another bad pick at the deadline involving one of their second-round picks. Um, Cardinals sent Josh Dobbs in a 2024 seventh of Vikings for a sixth. Vikings sent guard Ezra Cleveland to the Jags for a 2024 sixth. That's a steal for the Jaguars, by the way. 
Brown sent Donovan Peoples-Jones to the Lions for a sixth in 2025. And then the Packers sent cornerback Rasul Douglas in a 2024 fifth to the Bills for a 2024 third. Also another one of my favorite deals on the day. Quickly, before I let you get kind of your thoughts on all these, um, Vikings and the Jags getting Cleveland over to getting Ezra Cleveland over the Jags is big. That was really their one glaring need. Was it like glaring, glaring need? Was it guard? And they addressed that, which is really impressive for the Jags. Getting him for a sixth. I know the Vikings have a pretty pretty good interior play this year with three different guys. So got rid of uh, get rid of Cleveland, who I believe is an expiring contract. Um, yeah, he is. He's an expiring contract. He's a 2020 guy. Um, Jags get a starter for this year, basically, which is really great. And then the Rasul Douglas thing, I've been talking about it for a while. The Bills need to get corner help. Didn't sound like Jair Alexander is going to be Jair Alexander is going to be available. Jalen Johnson didn't didn't end up getting traded, which whatever the Bears are the Bears. Um, so Rasul Douglas is probably the best corner on the market that actually got moved. So good on the Bills for getting help. Got him for a third, and they even got a fifth in return. So that's a good move for the Bills. I like that a lot. Um, other than that, everything else is kind of not really impactful for the most part. A lot of it's, you know, the Josh Dobbs thing is interesting. Um, you feel bad for the guy gets, keeps getting traded. I hope he gets it. He's not going to play this week, but hope he gets a chance to play kind of in week 10 and on and, and can have some success there and maybe lead the Vikings to a wild card spot in the NFC. So um, you know, it kind of feels like a wide open NFC outside of, you know, four teams, two of which are in the same, div- th- three of which are in the same division. So, Actually, all of them, four, two, and two. I think the you know, the four best teams in the NFC are Niners, Seahawks, Cowboys, Lions, or Cowboys, Eagles. I'm not sold on the Lions. So that's just, you know, for a, 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 a conference that seems pretty wide open, I feel like the this Vikings can maybe sneak in there as a wildcard team. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, man, I, good for Jobs that he's going to get a shot there, I hope. I just feel bad for the guy keeps getting moved. But Sounds like Kyle's going to be back pretty soon, so I'll let you kind of give your thoughts on on the rest of these deals here. Yeah, so um, I'll just go down the list. So Leonard Williams I thought was a really good pickup by the Seahawks. Um, their defense has a lot of great players at every level there. They don't really have any holes anywhere. Um, it's just unfortunate that the Ravens play them this week right when they add him. Uh, for a second and a fifth, I thought was pretty fair. Eagles sending Contavious Street to the Falcons, I thought – just a depth signing basically for free um, as the Eagles don't really, he just wasn't really playing for the Eagles. Commander sending Sweat. I thought Sweat and Young, I didn't know if they'd both be traded. I knew for sure one was going to be. Um, and I figured you would get a two and a three from the two of them. I just didn't re- like didn't realize Sweat was the one that would command a two, being a couple years older. Um, he does have better career stats just for the fact he's been in the league a year more. Um but yeah, I mean, it's really interesting for the Bears considering this pick going back to Washington is likely going to be a top 35 pick. So basically a comp first, if you think about it, um, which is really weird, just given that they gave the Steelers a comp first, essentially, for Claypool last year. Um, just really weird management from the Bears across the board just on a ton of different levels, but whatever. Um Josh Dobbs, like you said, um, I hope he does well in Minnesota. I don't know if he will. Going to a better team, though, obviously, than the Cardinals. So, interesting to see what he does there. Another acquisition, basically, for free. Um, yeah, like you said, Ezra Cleveland was a really good pickup. I honestly wish we got him for a sixth, but we gave up our sixth this year to draft Andrew Voorhees last year. So, um, I mean, left guard's a hole for us. So, the Jags making that move for cheap was a nice um, acquisition for them. Chase Young going to the Niners was kind of frustrating because the Niners already have you know, arguably the best D-line, and they just added Chase Young, who reunites with Nick Bosa, who he played with in college at Ohio State. For a end of the third, a third comp pick for D'Amico Ryans is going to be the pick going to the Commanders. That's a little frustrating as well, given that it's essentially a fourth-rounder for a Pro Bowl-level guy. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones to the Lions helps fill the bo- void of Marvin Jones Jr. retiring. And Rasul Douglas, I thought, was a really good pickup by the Bills, who don't really have a true corner one. Um, I mean, I'm not saying Rasul Douglas is going to be like a bona fide corner one, but since Tredavious White's out, um, they kind of just have a committee there in the corner room. So um, just a top-of-the-line guy on their depth chart and helps the other guys become depth pieces. So always adding depth to that room is big across the league. Um, 
but yeah, honestly, a pretty good trade deadline. I thought we would get a couple more, maybe. Um, you know, I thought we'd see a running back get traded, and not really not sure why we didn't. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, a lot of teams want to go in this draft with some picks, and some teams don't really care as much. So that's basically what it comes down to. Um, to finish it out before the ice bath, NHL, we're not going to have anything this week because we had a good bit of NFL, but we are going to have a stats update next week. So we haven't finalized what stats we're going to put on there yet, but we are going to have the main stats, um, probably points, goals, stuff like that, save percentages for the goalies and stuff like that. So it should be um, interesting to see how we how we implement that into the um, episode. So I know every three weeks we're going to have a standings update, every three weeks a stats update, and then every three weeks is going to be kind of an off week. So this is an off week. And then to close out the episode, we have a big trade that went down at 1 a.m. The 76ers traded guard James Harden to the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. So the Clippers now have Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So that's going to be really interesting to see how they manage that. Um, They can't, I mean, they're probably going to be all on the court together with Ivan Zubac as their starting center with those four guys. It's going to be really interesting to see how that works offensively um, as three of them are really ball dominant for the most part. Um, Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that works. But nonetheless, they're trying to build a super team see how it goes for him um definitely um could be contenders in the west it's just they're gonna have to get their rotations down and everyone's gonna have to have a a role or it's not gonna work out for him yeah uh there was a i don't know if i mean i'll call it funny because i just just cannot believe it got said on tv um what he said probably wasn't very funny it's a little derogatory but there is a Chris Broussard clip or him and Nick Ryder talking about Harden and basically Broussard's point that he's trying to make. And he's not wrong. in the point he's trying to make is that like, does James Harden really think he's going to go to the Clippers and be get to play the kind of ball he wants to play? Like it's not going to happen. You know, he's going to be the number three scoring option when everyone's playing. Kawhi's the one, PG's the two, and and Harden's going to be the the third scoring option. He's not going to get to play iso ball, which is what he's good at. So, you know, listen, rarely have we seen NBA players, elite NBA iso scorers, who prefer to play isolation basketball. Because Harden hadn't been a 10-assist guy since he was in Houston, right? When was the last time, and we don't see a lot of them that are these guys who are elite isolation scorers that play in ISO that are ball dominant, that are winners. We don't see a lot of that in the NBA. We don't see a lot of teams with guys like that who that, that are winning titles, right? So they're rare. They're, they're super rare. I mean, like Michael and Kobe are the two guys who immediately come to mind because they just never passed the ball and they scored at will, but they were also elite defenders, right? So there's that. Um you think about like a Carmelo Anthony, it comes to mind as a similar offensive scorer as James Harden likes to be at times. Obviously, Harden shoots a little more, a few more threes, but the way that Harden has played the last couple of years, he's been very ball dominant. And I get, I get, he can still pass the ball really well, and I get his assist numbers have been solid. But I just, again, I, I don't see how this makes the Clippers head and shoulders better than they were before. If that makes sense. Um, Harden's also not – I mean, how old is he now? Like 33? I think he's 35. Dude, that's not young. Something yeah, he's like 34. Yeah, I mean, that's – he's not young. He's not a guy who's going to be blowing by people anymore. Um, So I don't know. I, the James Harden thing, there's rumors about him going to the Lakers, and I'm just abundantly g- gracious that he didn't go to the Lakers. Um. It would have been an absolute nightmare trying to get him on that roster. I, even if they had traded Angela Russell, it would have been a total disaster. Um, again, unless James Harden wants to conform and play the way that they need him to play, which is be a, a 100% pass-first player, a floor spacer, and give a little more effort on the defensive end. That's always been his big thing is he's not a good defender at all. He's been a borderline liability at times in his career, especially in the last few years. So 
we're they're, they're going to need to see him again conform to the role. Westbrook appears to have done that in with the Clippers. Um, he kind of did it with the Lakers, and I think it was just his time. He'd run the course there, and they didn't want him there anymore when they traded him last year. So he seems to have done that with the Clippers now. So again, that's another kind of a, another wrinkle to this whole thing is the Harden Westbrook dynamic. So I don't know, man. I I think it's totally outrageous that, that people think that they're that, that what that their their title odds jumped way up, which I think is ridiculous. So that's just my take. Yeah, I mean the whole trade details. I think there's a, another team involved, and there's so many protected unprotected picks and. 2029 whatever we're not gonna get on into all of those details but um it was definitely interesting that he went there like you said i don't think it makes him any better it's funny because he's doing ring chasing except there's no rings to show for it he's always been on these loaded rosters outside of a couple years in houston and i just don't see it happening for him unless something changes but i don't think it's gonna be with the clippers so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that pans out for him and for um, the clippers but nonetheless, a big move, probably the biggest move we have until the deadline, um, which is still a little bit away. But that is it for NBA. Um, probably have a standings update next week, if I had to guess. Um, we'll, we'll let you all know when we do plan on doing that. But to wrap we'll it up, probably. Right. With the ice bath, um, I'll kick mine off unrelated to what we've talked about in the episode, but the Big 12 baseball schedule. It will be released this Thursday in just a couple days, so we should have the full Texas Tech 2024 slate in just a couple days. Um, should be fun to see kind of who they match up with. I know they have a loaded schedule this year. I believe they're hosting Stanford. They go to play Arkansas, and they open the season against Tennessee, Oregon, and Nebraska. Um, a lot of big-time teams in there that made quite a run last year. Some went to Omaha. Some hosted Super Regionals. Um, like he or like Oregon and Tennessee, so it should be fun to see how it pans out for them this year. Um, you know, a younger roster as they got younger last year, even younger this year. Uh, with a couple transfers coming in, but a lot of underclassmen. Uh, I mean, a lot of potential for this team. I think they have good depth everywhere, even though they lost a lot of guys to either transfer portal or. They lost one to the draft, um, a good bit to the transfer portal, and then I think about five or six guys to eligibility. So a lot of new faces, but um, where it matters, they're returning the guys and should be fun. So a couple days out from knowing their full schedule and, you know, starting to plan around it. I'm pumped for Texas Tech baseball. We've talked a lot about how excited we are for that, that Dallas weekend to go up there and watch them in Arlington. So super pumped for that, obviously. Um, my uh, my ice bath today kind of goes back to what we talked about. Kind of the whole theme of the episode was was the deadline and, and NFL news, and um, which is exciting. Obviously, it's you know in season stuff, but kind of looking ahead, I think that teams' reluctance to give up second rounders today, being for Chase Young, being for Russell Douglas, being for Jalen Johnson, being for Jacobs, Henry, kind of the slew of running backs that might get traded. I think that lends itself to the fact that teams and front offices believe this is a really good draft class upcoming. Um, and that's kind of what the consensus has been around the draft world and draft media. Um, I'm a sicko. I f- still follow the draft during college football season, during the NFL season. So I will 100% own that. But, um, you know, I think for those of us who are who have kind of followed it pretty closely and have been no more than just the 10 to 20 names at the top that are kind of looking knowing names two and three rounds deep right now, it's a really good class, man. I know we talked about I know we talked about the receiver class before, and you know I don't know if I said it on the pod yet, but there I know I've Brett and I've talked about this a few times, but there's probably four three or four guys who would have been probably there's probably four guys who would have been wide receiver one last year over JSN, depending on how you felt about him as a prospect. I don't do like holistic grades, meaning like I don't assign player grades to guys. That's just not how I do. I do my scouting. Um, So I couldn't, it's harder for me to compare year over year. Sometimes that said, like depending on how each person felt about everyone felt about JSN, like there's probably four guys who would have, who would have been, who could have been or would be receiver one over him in this year in this year's draft 
And there's probably about six guys that would have been wide receiver two. There's probably about six guys that would have been ranked higher than wide receiver two last year. So I, that's just that's just the receiver class. Obviously, it's loaded. There's a lot of running backs. Obviously, the quarterbacks are. But it's it's going to be a really good draft class. And I think again, the reluctance of teams to give up premium capital. Obviously, there's no one. Rarely are there trades involving first round picks because they are right. again are of such high value. Um, usually those happen in the off season when teams are done with free agency and have a better idea of, okay, here's where our team stands. What can and can't we do? And do we really want to get this premium of a player? I think teams reluctance to give up their, their second round picks this year, even for a team like the Ravens, who should be picking in the back, the back eight picks back, six picks of the, of the first of the second round or of the draft, basically meaning they should, they, they should get to a divisional or a conference title game as good as they are. Hell, they they should be the favorites to come out of the AFC right now, as, as kind of as everyone's looked. They should be the favorites to come out of the AFC. So, for a team that should be picking no earlier than like 24 or 26, they didn't want to give up a two to get a premium piece to help get them to host hoist the Lombardi, like you said earlier. We texted about it. I think this lends itself to again NFL front offices think this is going to be a really good draft class. So I'm really excited about that. That really gets me fired up. Um, so man, I'm pumped about it. I. I'm already starting to kind of watch a little bit of tape on the bigger name guys like the Kool-Aid McKinstries, the Cooper DeGene's, the Nate Wiggins, the Kalen King, Johnny Newton, guys like the defenders that I think we should, like Chargers should be targeting, right? But these are guys that I want to go watch now, kind of get a head start on, watch what little I can of them right now. So, um, but man, it's going to be awesome. I'm super excited for this class. Obviously, I'm, I'm excited with football season still. It's going on and I'm watching we got Maction tonight. I hope everyone knows there is Maction. There is Midwest Athletic Conference, the MAC. They play oh, Tuesday yeah. games. I'm here for it. I'm so here for it tonight. I'm I'm about to put the I'm about to put it on on the TV. So, um, I'll probably have Maction on the TV, and then when World Series game, I'll put the World Series game on the TV, and I'll have, I get the iPad out for the Maction so I can I can keep up. Um, so don't be wrong. I'm not looking for football season to be over. I'm just also like I said, a sicko that just loves the draft a lot. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. But like I said, um, the way in which the NFL operated today lends itself to the fact that it's going to be really, good, really, really, really good draft class. So I'm, I'm pumped about that. Yeah, no doubt. And I was a little quicker episode, but I, uh, I mean, the Ravens were no doubt making calls. Um, they were one of the more aggressive teams in terms of trying to pursue the right deal for the right price, and they just never found it. They weren't reluctant to give up a second rounder. They just wanted to make sure they were giving it up for the right guy, and that guy would never become available. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, every team kind of values their process differently, and it's just how it is. And I just, it's definitely interesting because it makes the offseason more interesting when all these teams have all these different picks. But, um, like I said, I mean, I know I said I'm not really going to be talking about the draft until uh, until we get to the end of the season. But, I mean, I did a public mock draft last night with a couple people. So I saw um, you in the Twitter I, space. Still, I saw right. you in a Twitter space, said that you were said you were speaking. I saw I almost texted you, but I was like trying to get inside or whatever. But I saw you. I saw right. you in the Twitter space. No, a lot of the times. See, though, I always am a speaker in the chat because if you're a listener, you can't share tweets and like note stuff to the space so fair enough i'm always a speaker but more times than not i'm not really saying anything unless they ask for my opinion but it's just a bunch of ravens fans um a lot of them from baltimore that just they know what they're talking about for the most part there's a couple people that are just speaking to speak but for the most part people know what they're talking about um i will say before we get to um some news that is relevant to the world series that the college very football playoff re- rankings, very relevant to the world series brother very right. relevant the college football playoff rankings are being revealed right now, and we do have all the teams leading up to the top. So going through them real quick. Um, yeah, hit me with it. Number 25, we have the undefeated Air Force. Number 24, yes. we have Tulane. 23, Kansas State. 22, Oklahoma State. 21 is Kansas. So back-to-back Big 12 there. 21 is Kansas, yep. 20 is USC. 19 is UCLA. 18 is Utah. 17 is Tennessee. 
16 is the Oregon State Beavers. 15 is Notre Dame. 14 is LSU. 13 is Louisville. 12 is the Missouri Tigers. 11 is Penn State. 10 is Ole Miss. 9 mm. is Oklahoma. 8 is OU. Or 8 is Alabama. 7 is UT. 6 is Oregon. Wow. Five wow. is Washington. Wow. Four is Florida State. Okay. And before we get into the top three, because um, I haven't revealed them yet, the World Series news is that Adolis Garcia and Max Scherzer have been removed and replaced on the World Series roster. Adolis Garcia has been replaced by Ezekiel Duran. And Max Scherzer has been replaced by left-hander Brock Burke. Um, so a couple big-time, um, I guess, alterations and news pieces to the World Series. Um, yeah, I mean, just a couple big names for them. Obviously, Max Scherzer hadn't really been a benefit outside of the few innings last night. Um, but yeah, I mean, they still should be fine without him. But yeah, what do you think about that? I mean, it's definitely tough for them, but I still think they can get it done. Um, yeah, I think um, man, uh, um, Garcia is is the one that really strikes me as like the series has now shifted in Arizona's favor. Um, Scherzer again, it's a, it's a starting pitcher who already pitched a game. The thought was he'd be available for a game seven in my mind. Adolis Garcia has been the hottest hitter on the planet. And I know how good Corey Seager has been. Adolis Garcia has been the hottest hitter on the planet the last month. And he's now out for the rest of the World Series. And it's we haven't even played the game four yet. Um, I know he's not been great in game two and three. I get that. But... um. Man, it's it it's hard for me to picture a world where based upon how the Diamondbacks have played and how the Rangers have played that they don't that they that they can win without Adolis Garcia in the lineup. Um not only does he provide obviously just ridiculous juice in the four hole, but it also provides some protection for the hitters in front of him. You can't just walk Evan Carter. You can't just pitch to – you have to pitch to Evan Carter and get him out. Number one, because he's got elite speed. But two, like it, it no longer becomes, oh, we're just going to walk Seager and we don't want to see – we don't want to see Seager. We're just going to walk him. And then we get Evan Carter up. You have to – you know what I mean? Like you can't just – you can't just walk him, walk the two-hitter, get to the three-hitter and go, oh, we're going to walk him because Garcia is coming right up. So I think that's a lot of it, an aspect of baseball that people forget is protecting your good hitters in the lineup, and the Rangers have done that really well. Man, that's crazy. How is it at one? Are we serious? Dog, they're... I get that they beat Penn State, they beat Notre Dame, but brother. Brother. Can we just yeah, use I mean, the eye test for a minute? Can we just use the eye test? They're going to get dog-walked by Michigan. Yeah, I thought That's if Georgia, Georgia wasn't a one, that it would be Michigan. But it's So the four we have right now, it's not going to stay this way, obviously. Um, it might even change next week. But four is Florida State, three is Michigan, two is Georgia, and one is Ohio State. So it looks like, I mean, we're on pace right now to have a Big Ten, an SEC, an ACC and a Pac-12 team, which would be great. And we still have a shot at having a Big 12 team, but one of the teams would need to win out. Um, a lot of stuff is probably going to figure itself out here um, before we get to the bowl games and stuff like that. We should yeah. be able to pretty much predict I mean, in a couple weeks. Yeah, a lot's going to happen. I mean, shoot, we'll, we'll have a much better picture in a couple weeks after, um, I mean, shoot, Georgia's got Ole Miss or Mizzou and then Ole Miss in a couple weeks. Right. Bama's got LSU coming up pretty soon. Um, Oregon and Washington both have to play USC still, which they should both win those games, but you, you never know with the Pac-12. Um, and the fact that USC is Caleb Williams, so you, you just never know. Um, they, they both have to play Utah still, or I guess Washington has to play Utah still. 
Um, Florida State's going to play a couple games still. So, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll man, see. We still... A lot of this will sort out pretty soon, I think. But once we get to conference championship weekend, we'll have a really good idea of what should happen and then the chaos that can then ensue with losses. Um, I still don't think that Texas is out of it. They're sitting there at seven. Um, I don't think Oregon's out of it sitting there at six. Um, I don't think Oklahoma's necessarily out of it. Bama's certainly not out of it at, at eight. No. Um, you know, those are, those are world where Mizzou gets in at 12. Like there's a world where they can get in, you know? So, um, yeah, we'll see. But uh, but yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, back to the Garcia thing. I just it's hard for me to imagine that they um they can win without him. That said, they're still they've still been a really good team. They've still been hot. Um, gonna come out of the pitching. It always does. The World Series always come down to which which team can pitch for seven games better. Honestly, whose bullpen doesn't cave, and who's who's starting pitchers rise to the occasion. That's always what it comes down to. So, um. Yeah, let's want to say anything else. We can hit more of this this college football talk on on Thursday through Thursday turf talk. If we want to maybe shorten our NFL. We can talk about it. Um, talk about the rankings a little bit and kind of what to look for going forward. So, um, damn. Unless you have anything else, we can we can wrap it here. No, yeah, it's pretty much it. I was just gonna say, um, four weeks left in the college football season, and I mean another week of the conference championship. So. Technically five games left for the college football playoff title or college football playoff field contenders. Um, so, yeah, a lot can change. We can see any different combo of teams um, going in the playoffs. So a lot to look out for across the sports world. Um, busiest, you know, October, November, the busiest two months of the year sports wise. So um, stay tuned. We've been posting a lot on the Colty podcast. Follow us at, on Twitter and Instagram and Stay up to date on the latest news uh, that's most relevant. Um, covered all the trades of the NFL today. And since that wrapped up, we'll be moving on to more World Series coverage. Um, so, yeah. Thank you all for tuning in. Episode 59 will have episode 60 next week. But before then, another Thursday Turf Talk in a couple days. So um, we will be releasing that before are week nine week 10 of college football action and week nine of nfl so appreciate y'all for tuning in and we'll see you in a couple days see you guys soon